Hello everyone and welcome to the Business of PT podcast. I'll be your host, JT Moore. In this podcast, we will be interviewing successful physical therapists and learning about their stories in the field of PT. We will discuss a variety of topics such as entrepreneurship, careers, and pathways in physical therapy, as well as important characteristics in becoming a great PT. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you liked it, make sure to subscribe to get updates when new podcasts are released. Thanks, everyone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of having Heidi Janenga with us. She's a PT, DPT, and ATC, ATC, and is the co-founder and chief clinical officer of WebPT, the leading rehab therapy software platform for enhancing patient care and fueling business growth. Prior to co-founding WebPT in 2008, Heidi practiced as a physical therapist for more than 15 years, specializing in extremity post-surgical rehabilitation and was the director of one of the largest sports medicine clinics in the country. Although she no longer sees patients on a regular basis, Heidi remains heavily involved in the physical therapy community. She's an active member in both the sports medicine and private practice sections of the APTA and is on the board of directors for the Institute for Private Practice Physical Therapy and the Alliance of Physical Therapists for Quality and Innovation. Plus, she regularly speaks as a subject matter expert at conferences and other entrepreneurship and leadership events, which is what brings her here today. Thanks, Heidi, for coming on. Thanks, Jason, for having me. I'm excited about this podcast. Yeah, I know this is a great opportunity to be able to have you on the podcast. And this is the first, um, I talked about a little bit earlier with you, this is the first time we've had somebody that's not been practicing full-time in the clinic um, to be able to come onto the podcast and share a little bit about the product that you created. Um, would you be able to introduce a little bit of yourself uh, to the audience and give a little background on yourself? Of course. Yeah, we are. I, I'm part of this um, growing group of non-clinical PTs out there. So um, a little bit about myself. Well, um, I actually am a product of immigrant parents. My dad is from Austria and my mom from Japan. Um, I have a younger brother who's a lawyer. Um, he owns his own firm and in, in, in lives in Chicago. Um, I was born in Westlaco, Texas, which is a, a small border town on the southern tip of Texas. Grew up um, in a bilingual school, so habla espanol, <laughs> too. Um, and when I was six years old, uh, we moved to Winter Park, Florida, uh, which is where I really grew up all the way through high school. Uh, was an athlete in high school and actually had the honor of going on to play basketball at UC Davis uh, for undergrad, and then headed back to Florida uh, to get my PT, my master's in PT from the University of St. Augustine as actually part of their inaugural master's program, and then went on to actually get my DPT from Evidence in Motion. Very cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. And yeah, I kind of wanted to know what got you into PT, and could you explain a little bit of your career path? Well, um, as I mentioned, I was an athlete. Um, I was playing at UC Davis um, and my junior year, uh, I was going up for a layup and landed funky on my knee, went down, had to get uh, walked off the court by the trainers, had an MRI like two days later and the MRI was inconclusive, but I had some positive Lachman's and some instability going on in my knees. So they weren't sure, but they knew I had probably injured my ACL. But since it was inconclusive on the MRI of whether it was fully torn, they didn't want to do surgery. So they sent me to a PT. 
And, um, you know, I walked in there on crutches and in about six weeks, I was running in a sagittal plane, running in a straight line. Um, and within another, probably six weeks, I actually was able to get back to playing with my team and postseason play, uh, wearing a brace. Uh, I trained with my therapist all summer, um, and actually was able to play my senior year, uh, with no brace and went on to score some, some, uh, scoring records and, and essentially was able to get back to the top of my game. And so I was actually pre-med going into Davis. So they have one of the premier medical schools in the country. Um, but after that experience, it sort of changed my trajectory and uh, decided I wanted to become a PT. Um, and of course, you know, went on to PT school and got into sports medicine and landed at one of the largest sports medicine clinics in the country where I was able to really hone my skills and uh, worked with high school athletes, you know, the weekend warriors and also professional athletes uh, was actually uh, worked on the LPGA tour for four years, worked with the Suns and the Mercury, which go Suns right now, they're kicking ass. <laughs> they're doing awesome. They are doing awesome. And so, um, yeah, I was able to really sort of, you know, meet a lot of the goals that I had set out for myself. Um, you know, when I thought that potentially career ending injury actually turned everything around for me uh, moving forward as far as my own career. That was very cool. I love how like how PT was so beneficial in your career and how that maybe as seen as a barrier could have like, become an obstacle in that sense and really helped you out in your career path. Um, and I think that at least from what I've seen from other people that I've interviewed, so many obstacles or barriers that they had in life, they use that as like a stepping stone. And maybe that also is that why the entrepreneurship side of you is, has been so successful because you're really able to overcome any obstacles or barriers that you have. And I kind of wanted to go into that. How did you decide and what motivated you to become an entrepreneur? Well, what went about that? Yeah, you know, uh, the entrepreneur sort of terminology um, never really resonated me with me so much. Um, you know, my dad, being an immigrant to this country, you know, uh, after he graduated with his uh, doctorate degree, um, went on to work for the U.S. Department of Agriculture for pretty much his entire life. Um, my mom was a school teacher, um, and neither one of them really had what we would consider entrepreneurial, you know, sort of roots. But when I think about it, like if you look at the definition of an entrepreneur, there's a lot of risk that's involved. And both my parents, you know, growing up in the way that they did took a lot of risk to, you know, have come to this country and, um, you know, trying to, to create something out of nothing, essentially. Um, and so, you know, part of my sort of ethos is all about a problem solver and an being an avid learner. And at the, at the really heart of any entrepreneur is that problem solving capability. You're essentially trying to build a better mousetrap or figure out a way to do something better. Um, and that's essentially what, what you do as a PT or a problem solver, right? You're, you come in with a patient who's giving you all the scenario of things that happened and it's up to you to figure out the path to, to make them better. And so, um, you know, at the heart of an entrepreneur, the, 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 kit, the, the, the difference is you got to build something or figure out something that people are going to want to buy. That's usually what everybody says. The difference between a sort of an inventor is and an entrepreneur that you really figure out, you know, how do you make money uh, 
you know, with a, whatever object that you or thing that you're you're creating or service that you're creating. And so, um, some of those experiences as a problem solver all led to really my path as an entrepreneur. Perfect. Thank you for that. And I, I kind of wanted to know for those of like for those of the audience that aren't haven't been introduced yet to WebPT, could you explain a little bit about that and what what you what you did that helped you bring that idea to fruition? Well, that problem-solving skill is really, at the end of the day, what brought WebPT to life. Um, and as the clinic director of that sports medicine clinic, um, you know, we were in this, you have to take yourself back, and I know it's hard for people to understand today, but you have to take yourself back to, you know, 2005, 2006, when we were all documenting on pen and paper. Um, electronic medical records weren't a thing back then yet. And so... Um, we were spending a lot of money on transcription and dictation and some of the um, issues that we are still dealing with today with, you know, getting squeezed on reimbursement and payments um, were causing issues, right? Because this, this, I have this large expense when, so if you think about a P&L, uh, it's your top line revenue, right? Minus your expenses is your profitability. And our top line with reimbursements sort of declining was getting squeezed and you don't want that expense line to get any bigger to maintain a bottom line. And so trying to figure out a way to eliminate or at least decrease the cost of that transcription annotation was, my, was a big problem. And so when we did a little search to find uh, other ways, some of our referring physicians had started to make a transition into this digital documentation. And I thought, well, there's gotta be something out there for PTs too. And we, we did our search. There really wasn't anything that was very specific to the workflow of a PT. There are a lot of medical platforms, but not anything specific to PT and nothing web-based. Um, you know, being web-based is something that uh, means that you can kind of go move around the clinic. You don't have to be locked into one computer. And as you know, um, PTs don't like to sit behind the desk. We don't sit behind a desk in an office very, very often, right? We're out on the floor with our patients. And so um, we set out, I, I happened to uh, partner with a uh, software engineer who had um, tenured experience in building um, large scale enterprise web-based software. And so we put our heads together to honestly build something that was supposed to be for my clinic to, to change the burden of, of documentation just in my practice. And uh, within about nine months, we had our version one um, up and running and um, getting very positive feedback from the 10 therapists that were in my practice. And within the next six months, I had a lot of my friends and colleagues around the uh, Phoenix area saying, hey, I want to try that. It looks like it's working. I'm getting, I'm hearing good things. Can I try it? So within the next six months, we had um, another 10 clinics up and running using our platform, again, giving us positive feedback. And so at that point, we did a little bit of market research um, and we found out that 80% of therapists were having the same problem. We're documenting on pen and paper and struggling with these costs. And so um, that's when the light bulb went off and we sort of decided uh, we might have stumbled onto something here and launched the company in 2008. And we sold five clinics that first month. And you fast forward to where we are today in 2021, we hold uh, about 40% market share. So 40% of the therapists that are using an EMR are using a WebPT product. And so 
um, that 80% number that I talked about earlier, that's now flipped on its head. So 80% of the PT market is now using some sort of digital platform to, to perform their documentation, um, which is a remarkable change in such a, a short period of time, considering that we were not incentivized like physicians were to make that transition over to using uh, digital documentation. Dang, that's, that is awesome that you're able to identify like a kind of problem that you currently are facing and then you're able to address it in a way that was so successful that obviously 40% of the market now uses it. I kind of wanted to know, how did you go about, so you you created Jersey's Health Success there, shared it to the nearby. What went about that market research in like in the general area to find, oh, this is something that's really interested. How did you go about doing that? Um, well, in terms of market research, we, uh, there's a lot of different reports that you can get um, uh, that, you know, private equity firms and things like that based on surveys and uh, industry knowledge that you can sort of pay for. And they have a lot of these um, interesting sort of tidbits and facts around, um, you know, demographics and how you do work. So we were able to um, buy a few of those. And then also, um, because this transition was happening in the physician space, there was a lot of research and work being done um, around the medical field and uh, the opportunity for the digital transformation. And so, um, you know, government was looking at it. There's just a lot of entities looking at it. And so um, lots of blogs being written. And so it was just a hodgepodge of sort of... um, uh, data and, and, and research that we had to, to compile together in order to come up with that sort of 80% number. Awesome. No, that, that was good to know. I was kind of curious on that. And I guess another question that I had is how did, like, what were some of the big challenges initially when you decided to become an entrepreneur and create this product, especially what were some of the challenges in creating a product specifically for the field of PT? Well, I'll start with the, 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 the field of PT, first and foremost, uh, as therapists, um, you know, me included, we're just not very technology savvy. We've come a long way uh, in a short period of time. But initially, when we first started, you know, people dug their heels in about using pen and paper. Like, change is never easy for anyone, but especially if you have fear around it, it becomes even more difficult. And so, getting people to believe that it was safe to put your medical records um, online um, using technology and they would be safe, that, a- that actually is safer than you know, keeping a, a whole um, bookcase full of paper charts. Um, that was like not, it was counterintuitive to, to some people. It was just not the way it had always been done, right? And it's hard to sort of break that uh, work stream and workflow. And then secondly, um, it was just that lack of technology savviness, right? We had to make a concerted effort to educate people um, in terms of, for example, like we got a lot of questions about, well, what is the cloud? Um, And again, it's hard to think about now because pretty much everybody understands what cloud technology, web-based technology is. Um, But back then it it was somewhat new in healthcare. It wasn't new in your personal life. And this is a lot of the marketing things that we did in terms of education initially was, listen, look at all the things you're doing at home in your personal life, like online banking. Do you trust your, your money online? Do you trust your bank statements online? All of those things you're doing online, why would you not trust your, 
your medical records, right? And so there's this kind of aha moment for a lot of people when it was like, oh yeah, I do all of these things in my personal life. Why wouldn't I do that from a professional standpoint as well? So that was probably one of the biggest barriers. And then just for me personally, um, you know, I had been practicing for 15 years. Like I mentioned, I really had met a lot of the goals. Like I love being a physical therapist. I love the interaction with my patients. I love the, um, you know, instant gratification that you get on a daily basis of helping someone get better. Um, and that transition was a huge challenge for me in terms of leaving what I love <laughs> and trying to jump into a market and a, and a um, building a company in technology, which was completely foreign to me. And so um, it took me about a, a, a good long year to really grasp um, the fact that this opportunity even though I, I was leaving patient care, I wasn't leaving my profession. I wasn't, I was still a physical therapist that was building a software company. Um, and I was going to be able to help even more people, more of my peers, more potential patients in what our vision was for uh, what PT. And so that sort of, you know, bigger picture thinking, pushing myself out of my comfort zone um, was really important to, um, but also a challenge, uh, a challenge in the moment um, that I'm happy that I was able to conquer. Yeah, like that, I feel like it'd be a huge challenge because of how much, like you said earlier, PTs like to be working with people hands on doing that to like to be away from them must have been a really, really challenging experience. Um, with that kind of, what did you, like, was it that vision that like understanding that you were going to help so many people, was that the drive that helped you motivate and stay stay pursuing and, and progressing in WebPT or what else kind of helped along the way with that? Yeah, it's, it's definitely the impact that we were, we started to see very quickly. Um, and, you know, honestly, it's the interaction with our customers, which we call members um, uh, that were part of our WebPT community that we were building. You know, when you have people come to you and say, I would not still be in business because during this period of time, you have to understand a lot of the growth that we had, uh, have had through WebPT were also um, because of market pressures on our profession. Like we have had so much um, compliance and regulatory change during the last 10 to 15 years that have really put a lot of pressure on therapists and, and, to be honest, I don't know how people keep up with all the different insurance requirements and things like that when they not, they're not using an EMR today, right? All that logic is, can be built into our platform that you can get back to doing what you love and that's treating patients, right? And so when people come to me and say, oh my gosh, like I wouldn't be in business should I have not had WebPT uh, as my backup or you know, I flew through my audits, like the, one of the scariest things for sometimes for private practice owners is to go through an audit. And I flew through my audit with flying colors. Thank you so much. Like those sort of uplifting moments, like help push you through all the hard times. Um, but, and to know that you truly are uh, creating impact. And for me, like, this is my legacy. Like I am, I know that we have disrupted how therapists think about their work today um, through our platform. And um, while that's a tremendous responsibility, 
it's also just an amazing feeling that you, that I played a part in, in, in changing the profession forever. Yeah, that was perfectly well put. And you truly were able and are able to help PTs. I, all those things I've realized, like this is right now I'm on my first clinical rotation and the part of physical therapy that we learn in school of treating the patient, I feel comfortable, more comfortable in as compared to the documentation, that side and getting, having an EMR system that helps so much. Yeah, I wouldn't learning like what I've learned already in documentation. It's super overwhelming with an EMR for me at least. <laughs> and so I couldn't even imagine knowing, like knowing like the different insurances and knowing what can be built and not built on that to have that kind of in your mind without an EMR, I'd feel like I'd be lost. So that makes so much sense that you're able to provide PTs with the opportunity to have better quality care, to be focused on them because they're not worried about all these other important and necessary things, but maybe not the focus of why they got into the profession. Yeah. And why, you know, even though, you know, compliance and all of that helps to drive why people need WebPT, we also are, are huge advocates for our profession. Um, and, you know, we, a huge component of what we do is education around these compliance standards and, but also a huge part of it is advocacy and wanting to change that, like that burden of documentation, the burden of administration is just way too high now. And, um, you know, we're huge advocates on trying to change that moving forward. And so we love to use the power of our, you know, uh, 85,000 users and, you know, whatever, almost 20,000 practices across the country to, to use that as a powerful voice as we, you know, work with other large organizations in the profession to help lobby in Congress, to help uh, lobby with Medicare and, and to, you know, help push uh, meaningful change, work with the American Physical Therapy Association and, you know, the, the private practice section, all of these different groups to to not only, um, you know, use our dollars to help advocate, but uses our, use our voices and also, um, you know, use our data uh, to, to help back up some of the things that we're trying to, to move forward in, in the industry. Yeah. And actually, like speaking of data and things that you guys are require, one of the things I saw, I, I get the, the updates and emails from you guys, the state of rehab. Could you share a little bit about that and what got you interested in that data and how it could be of value to physical therapists that are out there that are young clinicians or student physical therapists, just to see the trajectory of our profession? Sure. Yeah, we, um, we love data at WebPT. And uh, frankly, it was just really hard as we were trying to still tell our story and the opportunity in the PT market to um, more than those just in the PT market. So you know, we um, have been funded uh, both at the venture round and the private equity round. And so you have people who have no idea what the market opportunity looks like in PT. And so trying to explain that to others, um, we just couldn't find any data to really back up a lot of what we knew. And so um, when you can't find it, you just have to go, you have to actually do it yourself. And so we created this survey, I think it's going on five years now, um, in which we call it the State of Rehab Therapy Industry Report. Um, and we essentially cast a very wide net throughout the industry to um, have pertinent questions asked in the survey that represent, you know, what is going on here and now this year um, that is the highest priorities for you as a therapist or a clinic owner, 
um, you know, front office worker, like whatever it is, like as you as part of this industry, what is the biggest priorities for you? Um, and so we, we've aggregated all of that data now for the last five years and put it into this beautiful uh, report that, you know, super proud to say, like it is definitely um, a, a labor of love. It takes a lot of work for, uh, in our team to, to put it all together, but it now is being quoted by private equity firms and, and other reputable you know, institutions that look to our report uh, because they can't find it anywhere, right? These, the data questions that they want, they look to us now to, to provide that information, which is really cool. Plus it, it informs our membership, our community, our industry about things that we think that are extremely important for them to know to help you know, drive decisions to, to make their business better and to drive the profession in, in ways that we hope uh, will also be for the better for everyone. Yeah. And to everyone listening to the audience, I totally recommend looking this up. Like I, I found it through podcasts last year, actually, through other podcasts that I listened to. And then I looked it up and it was super insightful to see kind of how much like kind of the outlook of physical therapy and what is actually being experienced in the clinics full time. And I really loved it. I was, I was grateful for it. And I'm, I love to be able to like see that data and see where we're going with it and trending with our, with our profession. Well, thanks for that, Jason. I appreciate it. Um, it is it is a lot of data to consume, but we have beautiful graphs and, and really cool kind of different ways to, to find it. Um, if you just go to, if you just Google WebPT state of rehab therapy, um, it's it's available on our blog page and anyone can download it. There you go, everybody. So yeah, make sure to check that out. Um, another question I wanted to ask you, Heidi, was the importance of company culture. Like through other podcasts and things that I've, I've learned from you is one of the things in WebPT that makes it so special and so successful is company culture. And could you elaborate more on that and why that's so important? Yeah, I mean, um, every company has culture. Uh, company culture is essentially like how and the way you sort of work inside your business. It's the environment that you provide to the people that work with you and how they show up every day. Um, you know, our WebPT culture sort of center around, centers around a servant leadership model and also fits into sort of the framework of uh, conscious capitalism. If you've, if you've heard of that, um, conscious capitalism is not political or anything, even though it has the word capitalism in it, uh, but it centers around four pillars um, of culture, leadership, um, driving towards a purpose, and then, you know, this stakeholder community model. And so, you know, we um, have a set of core values that really sort of lend to, um, our uh, of who we are as an organization and the expectations that we have for every WebPTer um, that you know is is part of our WebPT fam, um, and it at the end of the day uh, started it was born out of us as founders back in the day, but now today lives and breathes with every new person that comes into the company. We have uh, close to 850 employees now across the U.S. And, um, you know, that culture is driven strong because those values are woven into everything we do from our job description to our performance reviews. Well, you'll see that language and it's, um, it's also just not words on a wall. It's how we live. It's how we, again, how we do work uh, day in and day out from, you know, our CEO on down to that entry level employee. Um, and so it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's really a proud moment for me as a founder uh, to know that that culture has 
sustained itself from when it was just the two of us, right, to now 850 employees. And, you know, some of the proudest moments I can say, you know, uh, being part of this company over the last, you know, 14 years is the family atmosphere that we have at WebPT. And, you know, there's oftentimes where it's not just even the employee. We, in the past, we, we've had, you know, significant others that are together uh, with us at celebratory events and to meet and talk with a significant other of one of our employees and have them say, you know, thank you so much for starting this company and you've developed such an amazing culture. Our home has changed since, you know, um, you know, my partner started working for you. They're happier, they're healthier. Um, it's made all the difference in the world for us at home. Like I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. Um, <laughs> Like that to me is like what culture is about. Um, and I just, I couldn't be prouder of the culture that we've, we've been able to create and that is now ongoing and way bigger than me uh, existing in an organization today. That is so cool that you were able to obviously make an impact on your employees, but more so their families and everything. Cause that once you're able to impact their lives, they're going to enjoy that and, and be wanting to work with you forever because of that culture that you've made. So thank you for doing that. You're welcome. Um, and then I had another question you also talked about a little bit earlier. You mentioned about kind of the private equity and venture capital. How did you go about doing that? And it's obviously a new, unique thing in your guys' um, business. How could you explain a little bit about why you did that and the benefits of this type of business model? Well, we, we didn't necessarily intend specifically to do that in the beginning. Um, you know, it is uh, the entrepreneurial playbook, if you will, to, to growing a very large business. Um, and so, you know, when we first started the company, we did what we call bootstrapping, which means that you are building a company based on your own sort of savings and you put everything back into the company. We didn't really take salaries. Um, and so it, it's, um, that was like the first four years of the organization from startup to from, from innovation to, to launch and two years in after startup. And, you know, after about two years and uh, again, some of those regulatory compliance changes had started happening. Um, a good problem to have is that we couldn't keep up with demand. Um, we had to make decisions every month as to, okay, well, we have this much funding. What are we going to do with it? What is the highest priority in the company? And so we were limiting our growth um, at that point, even though we were very, you know, we were successful and we were um, selling a lot. We were just limiting on the speed in which we could grow because of the lack of funds. And so in 2010, we decided to take um, an angel round of funding in, which is um, meaning, uh, uh, it's a smaller sort of, 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 of dollar amount um, that angel groups will invest in early stage companies when the risk is high, uh, because you never know what trajectory these companies might go on. But we were a little bit different because we had already sort of achieved a million dollar run rate. Um, and uh, so we had lots of investors who wanted to, to take part in our company. And so um, that was really the first stage uh, in 2010, and we were able to, um, you know, use that funding to accelerate our growth. We did exactly what we wanted to do, 
um, and uh, grew the company to $20 million uh, by 2013, 2014. And at that stage, now um, you, you catch the attention of venture capital. Um, and venture capital uh, groups want to come in to even accelerate, accelerate that growth more. Um, the reason you go down this path is, is not just about growth in dollars, it's really about uh, broadening your opportunity for resources. And for us, it was about having the, the quicker impact. Um, and so we uh, partnered with B uh, B Battery Ventures, which was a venture capital firm out of Silicon Valley. Um, can't say enough how positive that relationship was. Um, opening doors to people that you never believe that you could. We talked to one of the CTOs at Netflix and, you know, big companies that you're like, oh my God, that's so amazing, right? <laughs> and, um, here they are like having lunch with you and sharing some of their secrets, like their secret sauce to wow. kind of help you move forward. And so um, that was awesome. And then just in 2019, um, we did a private equity round, which is essentially just larger amounts of money with more opportunities to grow. Um, essentially in the beginning, a lot of your growth comes from building new product yourself. As you get larger and are able to have more funds, you're able to do what we call acquisitions or mergers and acquisitions, M&A. Um, and with those kinds of acquisitions, you, you grow faster, but you've got to have more uh, you know, cash reserves and, and opportunity for funding to be able to do that. And that's essentially what we've been able to do with, uh, with Warburg Pincus and, and what our tensions are with Warburg, but also uh, with Battery um, to accelerate that growth through other opportunities other than just building um, your own software. Yeah, no, and honestly, like comparatively in the time you guys have grown a ton. And so this must have been a really helpful tool to be able to expand and grow in that horizon. If not, I'd, yeah, I'd be a lot more limited with that. So that's awesome. Yeah, and I mean, I, I know, um, I'm not sure all of who is your listening base, but as you can tell, a lot of what I'm talking about now, I never learned in PT school. I, would I feel say, like yeah. I, <laughs> I've been on a, um, you know, five, five year MBA program uh, for sure, as we've gone through all of this different stages of the organization. And so one of my big soapboxes for, you know, students as well as new grads is seek to understand the business side of PT. It is so important and critical that you understand that. It, it goes to the why that you have to do your documentation. It goes, goes to the why of why it's difficult when you go ask for a raise that you may get told no. Um, like you have to fundamentally understand, well, where does your paycheck come from and how, how do you add value to a business by being a PT and seeing patients and marketing and all of these things that um, sometimes get lost in translation when you just want to see the clinical side and be able to help your, help your patients get better. And while that is at the crux of every person's passion of why they become a PT, there's this really important side of the business that, that must be understood. Whether you're working in a hospital or working in a skilled nursing home, it doesn't matter. Like understanding how that business runs and all, everything that um, kind of goes on behind the scenes that you might not understand today, like is really important, I think, in, in your overall um, ability to grow as a professional uh, within our field of PT. 
Yeah, no, and honestly, being, I mean, just being in DPT school, we had one semester of an organization and administration class, and that was it as far as business side. So <laughs> I, I was wondering, like, I have heard, like, at NAU, we don't have it, but there are some DPT slash MBA programs. Would you recommend doing that, or would it be all right, like, to go to a DPT program that works and, and still seek on learning the business? What would you say to, to people in that sense that are interested? Yeah, it just depends, right? I don't think you have to go on to be, get a full MBA. That's really expensive. Um, normally, um, there are programs like that I went through um, for at the uh, at Evidence in Motion that allow you to go through kind of like an MBA program, but um, they have, you know, DPT programs that go alongside of that. Um, and also certification programs that allow you to get just more knowledge on this business side. So um, not a huge advocate of going through and, you know, getting, a, getting more student debt uh, just as an MBA. I think there's many more ways. And even if, you know, you end up in private practice, for example, or anywhere, like you seeking out the leader of that organization, whether it's your manager in a hospital, um, but asking the questions, like, letting them know, hey, I'm really interested in these other parts of, you know, your job, like what, why do you have to, like, why are, um, you know, the coding thing so important, right? Why do I need to do these codes? Um, and so, you know, finding mentors in those areas uh, in the business side who are willing to sort of share and take you under their wing, just to even get your questions answered, to give you a peek, sneaking peek behind the scenes, it, I think is, is really, really important. Perfect. Yeah. And I just want to kind of run on with what you were talking about right there. You mentioned mentors. Did you have any mentors in your career? And if so, what was the impact that they had? Yes. I would not be here today speaking to you if I didn't have mentors. I've had mentors through every stage of my life. Um, I, for sure in building this company um, within the industry and definitely outside the industry, you know, mentors help to serve I guess, um, definitely helped me to grow both personally and professionally. Um, they've helped me to think outside of my proverbial box, if you will, and expose me to new ways of thinking about the same problem and sort of break some potential cycles that I might have or biases that I might have towards uh, the way that I like to solve things. Um, for me, they're also like a sounding board and um, a safe place to, to have vulnerable conversations about my business. And, you know, it, the, it really is lonely as you get up to the top, right? You can't share as much as you'd like to with, with people within the organization. And so having people outside of your clinic, outside of the organization to, to um, you know, I don't want to say commiserate, but definitely bounce ideas and uh, brainstorm with, uh, have been extremely powerful for, for me to see things in a different light and come back and be refreshed and energized uh, to um, even putting your thoughts and ideas more into a finer point to, to be able to execute more efficiently. Uh, it's been tremendous value to me, for sure. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for that and sharing that mentorship. I guess another thing, this is a question that I just thought of right now and I wanted to kind of ask, what was something that you learned maybe through a mentor or just in general that once you learned it, you would wish you had done that sooner? Um, probably one of the or things I learned early on from a mentor was as a leader, I don't have to have all the answers. 
And um, I still fall back on that today where, you know, you can create a really um, sort of bad cycle that people don't end up, those that are work with you or even um, report to you tend to use you as a crutch if you always come up with the answers for them. And so even today when people already know this, so they don't, they stop coming in my office asking me questions because they know the first response I'm going to give them is, well, what do you think? Like, what's, what's your solution to the problem that you're serving up to me? Like, I, I don't want it. I don't want your problem. Like, I'll help you solve it, but I'm, I'm not going to give you the answer. Right. And so um, that has sort of changed my, it, it changed a lot for me in terms of um, feeling like I have had the burden of trying to solve every problem. Like, this is, becomes more of a team effort and a collaborative effort. And you're now empowering others to really um, come up with great ideas and to have a voice in the decision-making within an organization and to feel connected and engaged in what you're doing. And so um, that was an early lesson that I learned uh, actually in one of my PT clinicals and um, has stuck with me ever since. There you go. That's actually something that I've learned from my first clinical too is, is it's always, oh, what do you think? It's never been a, I, I can't say I don't know because I do know something. I at least try to see what I go from there. And, yeah. and it's been super, I'm grateful for my CI teaching me that. That's great. Like not, not, not just giving me the fish, but teaching me how to fish in that sense. That's right. That's right. Perfect. Um, and another question I wanted to ask you just before we wrap up is with being a successful entrepreneur and the face of a company in the field of PT, what would you say to women who are aspiring to be like you? Um. Well, I would first and foremost say, believe in yourself. Um, you can do it. You know, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, that think differently than you. Um, in my experience, sometimes too many women like to be in echo chambers and are fearful about getting out of their comfort zone. And as I mentioned before, like breaking myself out of my comfort zone um, was super scary. But once I realized that it wasn't as scary as I thought, um, I really sort of embraced that feeling um, and, you know, now continue to help sort of push it to, to keep getting it bigger and bigger and where there's so much more than I'm now comfortable doing. And that part of that is just, you know, growing up and, and sort of age, but, you know, having that first sort of uh, step outside of that zone and really, you know, making and, and feeling, understanding that you're not going to be, it's not going to break you. Right. Um, and that actually you learn and grow even more outside of that zone than you do, uh, within it. Um, I think is a really important lesson that I would definitely say, especially to women, um, too often we get caught up in what we call the imposter syndrome, where we just, don't believe that we have the opportunity and, you know, some of it's societal, um, but truly believing yourself and pushing forward and forging ahead and drawing out of that or bringing yourself out of that comfort zone um, can help that. That's perfect. Yeah. There's a quote that I remember like that I learned when I was younger that I really like, I love and I apply is there's no comfort in a growth zone and no growth in a comfort zone. And yep. like, trying to get out, although it's uncomfortable, like you said, you're going to grow, you're going to grow and whether you like it or not. So that's, I love that. Thank you for that. Sure. Um, is there any other additional information or advice you'd like to share with us before wrapping everything? 
Well, I guess just the last thing I'll say is that, you know, we're at a very interesting time in our country with regard to workforce. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, burnout happening in our industry. COVID sort of transformed us in how we think about working. It's opened up a lot of opportunities, you know, to, um, you know, many that may have not existed even before COVID whether it's where you work or how you work. So, um, you know, I guess I would just like to say, like at the end of the day, it's about finding your passion, be truly aligned with what you are doing and don't be afraid to share the impact of, of what you're doing um, at work with others, right? That impact that we're having as physical therapists. Um, and at the end of the day, you gotta love what you do. Perfect. Yeah, that's, that's true. Physical therapy. If you don't love it, it's you're right in the middle of it every day. So you can't, you can't fake that too long. Um, But yeah, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on. And if someone's interested in talking with you, what would be the best way of going about contacting you? Yeah, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's just Heidi Janenga. So uh, definitely uh, reach out and um, we can get connected there. Perfect. Thank you so much, Heidi. And for everybody listening to the podcast, I hope you enjoyed this episode. This was honestly a great episode. I love this a lot. I was really excited to talk with Heidi about WebPT and creating this platform that has been so impactful and so beneficial for the world of PT. And yeah, I want to thank you again, Heidi, for coming on. Uh, You are so welcome, Jason. Thanks and good luck to you. Go Lumberjacks. Um, It's it's awesome and and I'd love to be able to follow you in your trajectory and your career. So congratulations on starting this podcast uh, and thanks for the opportunity to be a part of it. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Thanks everybody for listening to the podcast. I hope you liked that episode. If you did, make sure to subscribe and also leave a review. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time.